Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that ever refused to use no doubt starts now. This is indeed the broadcast for June 8th of the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers, one of the great restorative, peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips. As you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm still live on the road in the beautiful Branson, Missouri, Ozark Mountains, ladies and gentlemen. So I am atop the Ozark Mountains, not the Rocky mountains ladies and gentlemen i'm in the three lakes region as well there's so many things to talk about when it comes to branson missouri and i want to do some of that today uh, while i'm on the road okay so there's just so much so much to talk about so much to discover so much to learn so much to celebrate uh, so much to uh, convey it's just beyond imagination let's quickly do a recap of yesterday's show because we were live on the road yesterday as well uh, and of course we had richard mack with us for part of the time he was with us the second half hour of the first hour, and of course, the simulcast of the Sheriff Mac show on Brighteon TV, along with the simulcast of Liberty Roundtable Live, syndicated by Loving Liberty Radio Networks, LovingLiberty.net. And uh, so that was all going on yesterday. But Sheriff Mac was with us, and he is the founder and the president of the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, nicknamed CSPOA. And he really advocates for a partnership between the citizens, and the local law enforcement in your area, especially sheriffs. You know what? Americans should stand with their sheriffs when their sheriffs keep their oaths of office. Sheriffs have authority given to them by the elections and when they are sworn in and take their oaths of office. By the way, something not to be taken lightly, something not to be done in the back room, something to be celebrated and focused on in front of the public so the public knows what they're committing to. It's one of the things that the good sheriff I should say former Sheriff Brad Rogers uh, taught us when he swore an oath and when he had his deputies sworn in, he would make a public showing of their oaths of office so that the American people understood what they're committing to and making sure that when they commit in front of the citizenry that it means something, that it matters, that it's not just something that you kind of do. Um, well, what? Did I take an oath? Uh, yeah, yeah, you did, sir. Okay, it needs to be something that is etched into the memory and the minds of the people the citizenry, and those who take the oath on behalf of we the people, right? Anyway, so Sheriff Brad Rogers highlights that in speeches he gives across the country, and I think it relates here, too, very well. The, the, uh, you know what? The oath is all important. So we do support the CSPOA completely on this broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. We also support the Loving Liberty Radio Network doing a phenomenal job, and uh, we need to get into some things they're going to be doing today as well, which is just tremendous Stuff. I also met with somebody yesterday that I want to tell you a little bit about. Man, we got a show full uh, of incredible topics to discuss, to say the least. By the way, yesterday we covered shame on the state of Utah. I guess ballots are arriving in mailboxes on Tuesday. So that was yesterday, right? 
And the reason that I say shame on them is because, look, we don't need to just send out massive mail-in ballots to everybody. Why are we trying to circumvent in-person elections? I get during the cocoa that they would do that. I understand. Not that I agree, but I understand, right? Um, but we're not there now. Why are we trying to send out ballots to everybody? That just opens the door for all kinds of fraud, intentional, unintentional shenanigans. Um, you know, my gosh, we had a bunch of ballots that somehow got just lost in the mail or somebody wanted to circumvent the elections. And so they whatever or, you know, I don't know. I'm just telling you the custody of the ballots through mail is disaster. Donald Trump warned of it. You and I know about it. There's vote fraud allegations all over the country because of it. I mean, I digress, but I go on and on to say, look, this is insanity. So shame on Utah. Return to elections in person. I get the rare exception. You're in the military, therefore you need an absentee ballot. I get the exception. I don't get the general rule. But the exception means that somebody requests an absentee ballot, not just a blanket, send them out, right? That's number uno to discuss. But we talked about the fact that more than 8,000 more than 8,000 double registered voters found on the New Jersey voter rolls. Mark Tapscott of the Epic Times breaks this down in his latest incredible article. And he talks about New Jersey voter registration records contain more than 8,200 duplicate names, making it possible for one person to cast two ballots. Now, they also had all kinds of other shenanigans in addition to the double ballot reality. They had like 61 triple registrations, some quadruple registrations, seven quadruplicates. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Who's breaking this down for us? It's a group called the PL. I'm sorry, P-I-L-F, PILF, P-I-L-F. What does that stand for, you might ask? Well, I, I don't know much about this group, so I want to learn about them. But it stands for the Public Interest Legal Foundation. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, P-I-L-F. And in September 2020, think about this, ladies and gentlemen. In September 2020, right before the elections, P-I-L-F released an analysis of the voter registration rolls of 42 states across the country. And they identified nearly 350,000 dead voters or dead voter registrations, if you will, on the rolls. More than half of them in just five states, ladies and gentlemen. And these are states that matter. New York, Texas, California, Michigan, Right? That's four of them. And uh, what's the last one here? And Florida. Oh, all of them key states. Texas, Florida, California, Michigan. Come on now. All key states, right? 42 states identifying nearly 350,000 dead people on the voter rolls. More than half in just five states. But they're all the key swing states. Is that interesting to you? Okay, look, whether it's vote fraud or not, that's a little bit of the problem with this discussion and the misnomer. The problem with the discussion is, oh, well, Trump wouldn't have won anyway. Fine, it isn't about Trump. 
well, you know, those voter registrations, there's dead people on there, but, you know, they're not really voting. Oh, yeah? Well, that wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't change the outcome of the election. What do you mean? Which election? Well, the Donald Trump election. That was back in 2020, and that was not. I know. What about your state races? What about your county races? What about your elected officials at all levels? Do they matter? Were some of those races affected? I don't know. I'm not making allegations that the answer is yes. I'm merely telling you that we don't have confidence in the system that's just ripe with error, whether it's upgraded to the status of intentional fraud or whether it's just simply uh, ignorance about maintenance of the voter rolls. I don't know. But voter integrity or voter accuracy, election accuracy is vital. It's vital to the republic. And whenever we bring these discussions up about 350,000 dead people on the rolls across the country, primarily half of them in five key swing states, they go, oh, well, that's not really a big deal. What do you mean it's not a big deal? How can the system not know if somebody's dead? Folks, how can they not know? Look, the Social Security Administration knows, don't they? And if they don't know, are we sending out money to the same dead people that are voting? Are your taxpayer dollars going to people who aren't even alive? Do I dare say fraudulently, ladies and gentlemen? Or would I say it's just merely an innocent oversight there, but it affects elections and, and money flowing to people? And, okay, you cannot do that. How about somebody's driver's license? Are there driver's licenses, their bank accounts, their Facebook accounts, their uh, voter records, their, all these things being used while they're dead? How do we turn off somebody's life once they're dead? Do we have a way to know and to do that, especially relating to government things? Like the sacred vote? See, this isn't an allegation against everyone, that there's vote fraud everywhere and everybody's guilty and everybody's a criminal. Yeah, that's some of it, without a doubt. I'm not backing away from that a bit, right? But what I'm telling you is that, look, it could be just innocent. Hey, we don't have things set up the way they need to be. When somebody dies, how do we make sure they're not voting? When somebody dies, how do we make sure they're not getting Social Security checks or SSI checks? Or how do we know they're not getting medical care? Or how do we know that medical care is not being billed in their name? How do we know these things that relate to dollars and votes and some of these critical fundamental realities? How do we know? And if you say, well, we don't know when it comes to voting, Sam. My response is, well, how do you know when it comes to these other things? Oh, well, Sam, we have something in place for those. Why don't you for the votes then? See, this is what I mean. It might not necessarily be fraud. It just might mean oversight. It might mean uh, we haven't, you know, updated our systems to kind of match modern-day reality, etc. right? I mean, I don't know. That's why I'm saying that everybody should be on board to fix this stuff and to get it right and to true the vote, to borrow a term from our good friend Catherine, right? That's what I'm talking about. This is important. Now, second hour, we continued the discussion, and I'll do the same in seconds. I am Sam Bushman, live on the road from Branson, Missouri, and you are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live, nationally syndicated, hard-hitting radio talk show. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness 
and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. TheEpicTimes.com. We at Freedom Factor have a passion for our shared American heritage and want to help restore some of that American pride by emphasizing the documents that made us Americans. Our goal is to put pocket constitutions into the hands of every American and in every school. This effort requires your help. Order your pocket constitutions and browse our website at FreedomFactor.org to learn how you can help spread the message of freedom. Read it, know it, share it. FreedomFactor.org In message one, we said that Satan, the father of lies, John 8.44, gave the left evil, spiritual power the more they used the lies. The political left today is the beast. Now the Bible confirms that the dragon gave him, the beast, his power. Revelation 13.2 The extra evil spiritual power that comes from the beast by their lying is what accounts for the string of the leftist criminals in the government that have never yet been prosecuted. It also explains why American capitalists support communism in the 21st century. Note 1. That behavior of capitalists was predicted by Vladimir Lenin, a cell of the beast. Note 2. Henry Ford was a capitalist, and he would have never gone communist. The difference between Ford and the present-day, end-time capitalists is that Ford was born and educated in the Kingdom of Christ, 19th century America, the New Jerusalem, Revelation 21. Live and on your radio, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman. I'm highlighting the uh, yesterday's broadcast. I really think that's important to do. We discussed so many important topics. So we were talking to Sheriff Richard Mack, simulcast on the Sheriff Mack Show, ladies and gentlemen. And Mack and Sam discuss bogus, unconstitutional gun control in America. And we talked about that in detail, saying, look, uh, folks, don't be deceived on this thing. The only way they stop the bad guys is with good guys with guns. Therefore, it stands to reason if there were more good guys with guns, the criminals would be stopped quicker. Look, a bunch of cops stood outside this Texas shooting that's been highlighted and literally ran on the networks 24-7 as a reason we got to have less guns in society, but that's bogus. The only way it got stopped is a good guy with a gun that was an off-duty Border Patrol agent literally went in there with a borrowed gun from another citizen and stopped the thug, thank heavens. If a good guy would have had a gun sooner, the bad guy would have been stopped sooner. Good guys with guns are the answer, ladies and gentlemen. Don't fall for the lie. If we didn't have a good guy with a gun, for the other good guy with the, who borrowed the gun to go in and stop him, it would have continued. So the answer is good guys with guns sooner. You got it? Anyway, we talked about that in detail. Don't fall for the lie of the red flag laws and everything else. They're bogus. Any uh, attempt to infringe on your God-given inalienable right of self-defense codified as your right to keep and bear arms in the Second Amendment should be jettisoned and shunned and mocked and ridiculed and absolutely 100% stood against. If you're a constitutionalist, that's where you stand. Who has the guts to be as bold and clear and direct as I do on the topic, huh? Okay, I don't mean to be offensive here. I don't mean to be too in-your-face with my language, but I do really want to highlight, folks, it isn't good guys with the guns that are the problem. 
Uh, do you need to be safe with guns? Yes. Is it wise to train? If you're going to have a, a firearm, is it wise to really learn and understand your firearm inside and out and train to where it becomes second nature to you so that you can be safe and effective? And absolutely. That's why the founders talked about a well-regulated militia in the Second Amendment. Well-regulated means highly trained. <laughs> well is the word here. Regulated means it's not just random yahoos out there pointing guns everywhere. No, no, no. It's highly skilled, trained professionals that understand what they're doing uh, and know how to do so safely. That's what I advocate for. Right? But, but look, taking guns from the good guys is not the answer. Now, if you say, Sam, we need to do a better job at, you know, helping those who need help so that they don't get to the point where they go crazy with a gun. I completely agree. You know what? There are mental health crises in America for individuals these days, more so than when I was growing up, for sure. We ought to talk about what are the causes of those things. And when those are happening, what can we do? And when you look at the psychotropic drugs, when you look at the lack of fathers in the home, when you look at the fundamental breakdown where people are not taught about God or any of these things, no wonder you're going to have unhinged people with, that are directionless. When you promote violent video games and violent TV and war everywhere, promote war heroes everywhere and promote war, war, and then you wonder why when somebody wants to go to war, why they do it. We need to teach peace. We need to follow the prince of peace. We need to set the example with kindness. We need random acts of kindness, not random acts of shootings. But ladies and gentlemen, it's predictable, right? It's predictable. Anyway, we talked about sheriffs and election fraud. And then we had an incredible guest yesterday. He's an attorney, a constitutional attorney. um, And he's a member of the John Birch Society. And he literally talked about this idea that, hey, you know what? It's not true that when you become an attorney and pass the bar that you've committed some agreement to follow British law or that you somehow, uh, you know, succumb to some foreign interest or that you've changed your loyalties and your oaths and stuff like that. Um, Those are rumors. Those are myths, folks. That isn't true, according to this attorney. And I believe him because he's a a, a strict constitutionalist. He understands the proper role of limited government. He's an attorney. He has passed the bar. uh, And he says he doesn't have allegiance to the bar. Uh, You say, well, why do we have a bar in the first place, Sam? You know, it's a great question. But again, that might just go to licensing, and we want professionals to be competent in their uh, fields of expertise, etc. I get all that. I'm not so sure that the government should have a role in all of it all the time. I understand. But I also understand that, look, when you hire an attorney, you want somebody who has competence. Uh, the courts want somebody who understands decorum. Uh, I know Robert's rules of order are kind of an example to make the point. You know, you want people to understand the, the processes so that things go smooth. You want people to be respectful and treat the court with dignity and respect. And I get those things. But I want to be very careful to say that does not mean everybody who is involved in that system is your enemy. And, and it does not mean that everybody who has passed the bar or who is an attorney is a bad guy. It isn't true. You need to know that it isn't true. Don't fall for the sovereign citizen lie that just says, oh, man, I can do anything I want to, and anybody else is bad if they're in the system. Or It's not true. And I'll give you a comparison. A lot of people who teach in government schools, I'm not a government school fan, as you know. But look, your next-door neighbor that's a teacher that happens to teach in the public schools, which I call government schools, they're not your enemy. They're not a bad guy. They haven't done something to sell their souls or anything crazy. Don't just stop from all that. 
I'm not saying there's not people who have done those things. There are, but the majority have not. The majority of people around you mean well and are good people, okay? Set set race, set religion, set all those things aside. The majority of people, the majority of God's children who surround you are good, decent, honorable people. They just are. And you know what? When When the exceptions exist, let those be the exceptions. Don't pretend or think or be deceived into believing that's the rule because it's not true. The truth is people are good. The truth is we're all God's children. The truth is some people just lose their way. What we need to do is love them and treat them with dignity and kindness. What we need is more random acts of kindness. Just imagine if some of these kids that go ballistic with a gun were just taught from the cradle to be involved in random acts of kindness, to be taught that they're on God's errand. Yeah, that they're the eyes and ears of God Almighty. They could be an angel in the flesh, if you will, and serve their fellow man and serve their God and bring relief and kindness and safety and stability and comfort to those who are suffering. We can oh, imagine this idea at baptism that we can bear one another's burdens. See the blessing. that. What if children are taught that? Could you still have a crazy go ballistic? Yes, you could. Sadly so. People have their choices. People have their agency. I get it. But I'm telling you, if you tied people to tethered people to God Almighty like that, and I'm setting aside the keys to religion, the keys to theology, because I'm not interested in the differences that different religious sects or denominations or whatever you want to call it have. I'm interested in the general point that we need to love our, the Lord our God with all of our heart, might, mind, and strength. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. We need to be kind and considerate and respectful and lead by example. And if people were taught that, and if people had family, well, they had loving parents, a mother and a father. You know, in the olden days, when you had a mother and a father uh, that didn't do their duty, there was kind of a dereliction of duty there, you would have a grandparent that would step in, or an aunt or an uncle or somebody else that was more stable that would kind of take up the slack on that, right? Nowadays in society, we don't have anybody to take up the slack. And sometimes these children are left drifting with no direction, no tie to God, no tie to family, no respect for country, no understanding of their godly heritage or their American heritage for that matter, right? We need to bring that back. Uh, You know, the country song says, I'm bringing booty back. (laughs) I think we ought to bring back something more than that, ladies and gentlemen. I think we ought to bring back civility. Bring back respect and honor and dignity. Bring back morality. Bring back God, family, and country. Bring back, right? That's what we ought to be focused on. Uh, If you want my humble opinion, I know people are kind of saying, well, Sam, nobody asked you. (laughs) I understand. I'm just telling you that, folks, we try hard. We care. It matters. And that's a recap of yesterday's show that dovetails into today's broadcast and commentary nicely. Headline from the Epic Times, in my opinion, a very scary headline, says this. Huge spike in crime caused by, quote, defund the police mentality. Ouch. Now. I'm going to agree a lot with this commentary. It starts out and says, Dear Reader, it is no secret that crime is on the rise across our great nation. The defund the police movement has had dire 
consequences as most people expected it would. Precincts across the country are short-staffed. And as a result, virtually all crime, including violent crime, is on the rise. We'll talk about it. This is critical, and this dovetails nicely with yesterday's broadcast, does it not? I am Sam Bushman. I am live on your radio. Pursuing liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Actor Matthew McConaughey on Tuesday recounted emotional stories from the victims of the Uvalde, Texas school shooting and advocated for gun control measures at the White House press briefing Tuesday. McConaughey is from Uvalde, Texas. Soft on crime, San Francisco District Attorney Chesa Budin will not finish his first term as the city's top prosecutor. Budin speaks to staffers after Tuesday's successful recall. We have two systems of justice, right? We have one for the wealthy and the well-connected and a different one for everybody else. Also in California, Democrat Representative Karen Bass and billionaire developer Rick Caruso are headed to a November runoff to become Los Angeles's next mayor. A former member of the Republican Party, Caruso changed his affiliation to the Democrat Party when he became a candidate in this election. USA Radio News. Paid for by GovMint.com. Have you heard? The United States Mint has issued the Morgan Silver Dollar for the first time in 100 years. Not only that, but they are also minted in 99.9% pure silver for the first time ever in history. Coin experts are calling this an amazing opportunity for anyone that knows the enduring popularity of Morgans. But you must hurry. Only 175,000 legal tender silver dollars were issued. These Morgan Silver Dollars are brand new, bright and shiny legal tender coins minted by the iconic Philadelphia Mint. Just call one. 1-800-888-7630 and you're guaranteed a new 99.9% pure silver Morgan dollar. The first time in history this has happened, but with limited quantities you must call now to order. To learn more, call 1-800-888-7630. If you order now, you will receive a free collector bonus, a $25 value free with every order. Call 1-800-888-7630 now to secure your new Morgan silver dollars before they are gone. That's 1-800-888-7630. Another COVID-19 vaccine option is moving forward. A more traditional kind of COVID-19 vaccine is one step closer to becoming the fourth option for U.S. adults. Advisors to the FDA voted Tuesday to recommend authorization of shots made by Novavax. It's a protein vaccine, a more conventional technology than the dominant Pfizer and Moderna shots and the lesser used Johnson & Johnson option. If the FDA ultimately agrees, the Novavax shots could be an option for adults who haven't yet received the vaccine. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis. In other primary election news, retired U.S. Navy Vice Admiral Michael Franken bested his opponent to score the Democrat nomination for Iowa's U.S. Senate seat on Tuesday and will run against Republican Senator Chuck Grassley in November. Up next, Maine, Nevada, North Dakota, and South Carolina will hold their primaries June 14th. USA Radio News.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, so violent crime is on the rise. I'm reading an Epic Times uh, article, and I'm going, wait a minute, what the heck's going on? Yeah. They say we saw criminals destroy our cities. It happened last summer for the entire summer with no real consequences, pushback, accountability, prosecution, or anything. Legacy media went as far as to call looters, rioters, arsonists, peaceful protesters. Ladies and gentlemen, that's nuts on parade. That's crazy. What do you mean looters and rioters and arsonists and people destroying private property? You calling them peaceful protesters? Have you lost your mind? A constant message, ladies and gentlemen, in America today is being sent to the criminal. If you commit a crime and you're on the, quote, liberal side or the whatever, there will be no consequences. Think about that. We're sending the same things when it comes to elections. Hey, all you got to do is claim that it wasn't intentional, that it was a little oversight. No big deal. It wouldn't have changed the elections. No big deal. No harm. No foul idea. You destroy cop cars or destroy private property. No big deal. No harm. No foul. It's your First Amendment rights. See, that's a big old lie. What about the crime and the devastation that this movement has really caused, ladies and gentlemen, to small businesses, to lives, to people, to society at, whole, at large? Anyway, they got a documentary video of violent footage depicting actual crimes caught on video in literal broad daylight with the cops doing nothing. That's right. Virtually doing nothing. Anyway, Epic TV has this video where you can learn about it. But I bring it up because I think it relates directly. When we have a society without consequences, right? When we have a situation where we literally reward crime. You say, what do you mean, Sam, reward crime? Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean what I say oftentimes, folks. <clears throat> Why do we have a situation where we are sending a message that, you know, virtually crime is pretty much okay. Why are we sending that kind of a message? Why would we send that message? I think it's critical. I think it's vital to send a different message, which is, you know what? You commit crimes and you'll be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Don't commit a crime. Now, I'm in Branson, Missouri, and I mentioned how wonderful of a place it is which I'll get to here soon. It is an incredible place. But we walked into a theater last night. It was incredible. And here's what the sign said. I don't have the exact wording, so I'm going to have to summarize. But it was incredible. Here's what it said. <clears throat> Concealed carry. Welcome. Criminals, beware. Now think of what that kind of a message sends, ladies and gentlemen. Let me, let me kind of restate it to clarify the point here. You know what? We reward and encourage good guys with guns. And if you're a bad guy, you should know that there's good guys with guns around. And beware, don't commit crimes here because you know what? It will not go well for you. Uh, it was a great sign, but I've never seen that kind of a sign 
in a public place before, ever, until I came to Branson, Missouri. Right? Think about that, man. I'm, I'm telling you, it's tremendous. What a statement to make, huh? You know, I've always seen signs outside of homes and stuff like that on the window or whatever. This home is protected by Smith & Wesson. Or we have a Smith & Wesson alarm system in this house or whatever. And this is in a business, though. And it was more articulate than even that kind of a statement. It basically said, hey, we welcome concealed carry permit holders here. Criminals, beware. And I think about that and think that is one of the answers. Without a doubt. Now, do we want those people to be trained and, and, and so that no mishaps happen? Absolutely. Should we encourage training and be vocal about if you're going to conceal carry or you're going to carry in any way? Um, make sure that you really know what you're doing with your weapon. Make sure that you really have taken the, the you know certifications and the safety training and all those kind of things. I think in the private sector without government mandates, those things are wise. It's kind of like having your kid take a... Uh, driver's ed class before they get their driver's license. You know what? I don't really like a government-mandated driver's ed class, but I get the point and agree with the, the principle, which is, look, if you're going to use things that can put others in danger, whether it be a car, a gun, anything, let's make sure that, that safety matters. You know, when do I have the right to say you can't do that because we need to make sure you're safe before you do it? There is a collective in America that matters. I agree the collective doesn't necessarily have rights per se. Individuals have rights given to them by God, but the collective has responsibility and the collective has a balance between freedom and responsibility. And I think oftentimes in the Patriot movement, we overlook that, right? You can't overlook that folks. It's dereliction of duty to do so. You can't overlook that. You've got to realize that rights are a blessing from Almighty God, no doubt about it. And believe it or not, there are some privileges that government provides, which, is a, which are a blessing as well. We're not anti-government on this program. We just want to acknowledge the proper role of limited constitutional government with its checks and balances. We just want things to be on the up and up. We don't want uh, tyranny creep going on. Not on my watch, I don't, right? But, but some of these things are legitimate. Anyway, I digress, except to say, hey, I support uh, the very cautious nature and the very serious, heavy responsibility for concealed or any other kind of carry. Constitutional carry is what I really love the most. But I, but I realize the, the tremendous responsibility that goes along with that right uh, and that, okay, so let's train, let's be wise. But that sign was incredible. And I've never seen that in a public place so blatantly stated, but it reminds me of the sheriffs that are now speaking out across the country too, saying, look, criminals, don't come in my county because I'm telling you right now, those guys might have just sat around in Texas waiting, drinking their coffee, but in my county that won't happen. We will go in and we will shoot you and we will stop you. And I think that's the message that we send to all criminals. Do not act in ways that force us to use deadly force to stop you. Do not put others in jeopardy. We will not tolerate it. We're putting you on notice now. And whether it be a sheriff making a bold statement in the media about his county, his jurisdictional responsibility, or whether it be a business, a private business, free to say what they want, saying, look, concealed carry 
holders welcome, criminals beware. Or whether you go into a school and you have private people trained for security in that school and you don't know who's armed. That's the best neutralizing capability, at least physically, that we as men and women can take of our own volition. There's greater action we can take, and that's teaching people about God, teaching people to follow the Prince of Peace, teaching people their responsibility to bear one another's burdens. But I I, I agree with this article in the Epic Times in that defund the police actions are insanity. Now, if you want to talk about the police and them being overboard and having too much military hardware uh, and spending too much money on on force, I agree with that. We need to absolutely reallocate some resources in some cases. No question about it. But listen, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's not just defund the cops and run around and nobody can help you when you're in jeopardy. The whole purpose of government is to protect life, liberty, and property, folks. Therefore, you can't defund the very function that does just that when somebody gets out of balance or out of whack, right? So I'm against the defund the police movement, ladies and gentlemen. In my personal opinion, that is insanity. Now, if there's bad apples in the police force that are that are using force wrongfully or or that are not applying the law uh, appropriately, hey, let's get rid of the bad apples. I agree, again agree. If funds are allocated towards SWAT teams and unnecessary use of force, I think we got to reallocate those funds to de-escalation programs. I get a lot of that, uh, but I also get that there's peaceful ways to resolve most situations. Uh, it's the sledgehammer plan that oftentimes I reject and say, look, we could do so with a little more mild means, if you will. Okay. Um, divorce. I'll give that as a quick example. Most divorces don't need to happen and shouldn't happen. Yes, there are some times when there's an abuser or something where the behavior is so egregious that you've got to uh, end the situation. But most divorces are because somebody thinks the grass is greener elsewhere and they find out they're wrong. Most divorces, uh, people could be um, with love and guidance and and a little bit of humility. Most divorces don't need to happen. Well, huge spike in crime caused by, quote, defund the police mentality. I agree with the point about we shouldn't defund the cops, but I don't agree that it's the cause. We'll talk about that coming up in seconds. that I would have a huge slumber party with all the girls there. Play with me more often. My mom's so busy with the board meeting. To spend more time together as a family. Do more out-of-the-house activities. This is a tough one. My parents, they do everything they love me. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't have a roof over my head. They don't need to show it to me. I just know they love me. Well, not yelling at me very much. What do you Raise my allowance. To not argue together. Um, have my dad be home more for dinner and stuff so that it could be even closer. Family, isn't it about time? Buy me an ice cream and kiss me to love me. From the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay, what's the next question? 
Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. All right, back with you live. I am Sam Bushman. Huge spike in crime caused by, quote, defund the police mentality. See, I don't really agree with that. I mean, I agree with the point that we can't defund the cops, and I agree that less cops means more crime uh, in many, many cities and cases across the country. I agree. But I believe we've got the wrong cause and effect going on here. Huge spike in crime caused by defund the police calls or actions or whatever you want to say. Um, I think defund the police mentality certainly allowed the increase in crime to happen. I get that, and I think it's wrong, and I agree with the general point of the article. That's why I've highlighted it and spent so much time on it. But I don't really believe that it's cause and effect, and I'll give you an example. If everyone was self-governed, let me say that again because it's so vital to think through and understand. If everyone was self-governed, and they obeyed God's laws, we wouldn't need cops at all. You think when we die and go to heaven and live with our Father in heaven and our Savior Jesus Christ, you think there's going to be a bunch of crime going on? I don't think so. Do you think so, Cameron? Cameron's my producer, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think if everybody, when they go to heaven and they live with Heavenly Father and Jesus, you think there's going to be a bunch of crime going on? He says, no way. Amen. But do you think there's going to be a bunch of cops there stopping it? No way. Right. That's a, so, look, we can't say that it's because we defunded the cops that all the crime's, you know, going on. Okay? The reason that the crime's going on is because people are committing crimes. And the reason when you defund the cops um, that crime goes up is because you can't stop people from committing those crimes. The presence the deterrence, whatever words you want to use here, are not there. That's why businesses put up signs that says, hey, you know what? Concealed permit carriers, welcome here. Beware criminals. Okay? The deterrence are taken away. The ability to deal with criminals. So somebody commits a crime, normally they'd get arrested, and they wouldn't be committing crimes because they'd be arrested, right? But if nobody's there to arrest them, then they commit two, three, four, five, ten crimes. And the more they get away with the crimes, the more they commit because they feel empowered, right? That's the problem. But you got to go to the fundamental cause and effect discussion if you really want to get answers on this thing. And this is where nobody in the media, in my opinion, uh, takes the time to really drill in and ask the right questions. And 
set forth the right ideas. The reason you have more crime is because criminals are committing crimes. The reason they're committing crimes is not because someone's there to, not there to stop them. That's not the reason they're committing the crimes. Yeah, that's the reason more crimes might be committed. But the reason that they're committing crimes is because they don't have a moral compass. Because they're not self-governed. Because they're not obeying God's laws. That's the reason you got the crime. You say, well, Sam, why do people then, why aren't people self-governed? Why are people violating God's laws? Well, that's a great question. And I think it is the fundamental question to ask. We have societal breakdown at every level. People are not taught that God is who you answer to. Okay, I don't carjack a car or steal from my neighbor because uh, the cops will shoot me dead and stop me. That's not why I don't do those things. I don't do those things because I believe it's morally wrong. And my inner compass, if you will, uh, does not allow me to do that. My self-governing desire, my governing governing moral value says, you know what? I don't commit that because several reasons. One, I don't want that done to me. So I got to do it unto others as I would like them to do it to me. I wouldn't want that done to me. Secondly, I have a moral problem. It's not mine to take if it's stealing. It's not mine. So these fundamental moral ethics that we're talking about are not being instilled into people or into the next generation sufficiently for them to be self-governed enough to be productive societal contributors, right? That's the problem. So Sam Bushman doesn't need a cop or whether the cops fund it or not, Sam Bushman's not gonna violate the 10 commandments because it's against my code of ethics. It's against my belief system. Ooh, now we're getting some, why, what about the belief system? Why don't we have people that have belief systems that would help them to be self-governed, that would prevent them from doing these things? We wouldn't need a bunch of cops if we had made sure that, ooh, well, we're all taught in public schools and public schools not allowed to put that kind of code of ethics or that moral code center for your education. See, in my opinion, that's even more important than reading, writing, and arithmetic. And don't get me wrong, learning to read and write and arithmetic, and I understand that you've got to be educated, and I support that. All I'm saying is you cannot highly educate someone in mathematics, calculus, for instance, or beyond, and forget the moral code and think that they're going to be educated and think that they're going to be productive members of society. You might end up with an evil genius, if you will. Is that helpful to have a bunch of evil geniuses running around? See, I don't think so. I think teaching people their moral code is, is front and center and necessary. And so I blame it on um, primarily parents for not teaching their children fundamentals. For example, why doesn't Sam Bushman cheat on a test? Is it because I'll get caught and prosecuted or caught and lose my um, scholarship or caught and get kicked out of school? Or No, 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 no. I don't do it because I know in my heart and in my soul 
that my Father in heaven is watching me. And he loves me. And I love him. And it will hurt him for me to do those things. And as a result, then, I know that it will hurt me to do those things. Even more than those who I may harm in the process. It will harm my spirituality. It will harm my soul. It will harm my reputation. It will harm everything related to me. And so I don't do those things because it's against my code of ethics. I don't want to hurt my God. I love him. I don't want to hurt myself. I want to be good to myself. And I certainly don't want to hurt my neighbor. I want to be good to my neighbor. And now we get to the fundamental reality. Love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor. The two commandments to which the law hangeth. And then the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not kill. Four of them right there. Boom, bada, bomb, bomb, bomb. Don't do those things. Things that you should do. Honor, honor the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy parents. Those are the things that you should do. Now, what have we got? Six of them already? Right? Don't covet. Don't commit adultery. Don't, don't, don't do those things. Don't murder. You put all these things together and you start to say, wow, what a simple code of ethics. You've got the two great commandments, love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor. Then you've got the Ten Commandments. You've got 12 guidelines given from God. And if you really obey those 12 guidelines, I'm not really sure what kind of trouble you could get into. I challenge you in the audience. You can email me, libertyroundtable at gmail. I'd like to know if you were to obey those two great commandments, love the Lord thy God and love thy neighbor as thyself, and then the Ten Commandments that go right along with it, if you were to obey those 12 guidelines, some would say it's a religious creed, I agree, but I would also say it's just a fundamental uh, code of ethics for civilized society. What trouble could you get into if you were to obey those 12 things? Could you really get into very serious trouble? Would you be arrested by the cops? Would we need a lot of cops? Would we need big funding for uh, police force? Would we need lots of jails? Would we? So you can ask those downstream questions, but really, what trouble could you get into if you kept all those 12 God-given guidelines? What trouble could you get into if you followed the 12 God-given guidelines that I'm highlighting? So when they say that a huge spike of crime is caused by the police mentality, the defund the police mentality. I don't really agree with that. I think it's certainly a factor. I certainly think defunding the cops allows crime to increase. I get it. But I would submit to you that that code of ethics that should be taught from father and mother to son and daughter are not being taught adequately. They're not taking root in the next generation. Okay? That's the reason. And if we want it to change, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to change when it comes to God. So in your religious life, it's going to change in your family life. It's not going to change in any government level. You're not going to be able to just put a bunch of money into it and hope it solves the problem downstream government. Why? It's a failure already from the start, I can promise you. It will only be solved when it comes to your religious life, your moral life, your spiritual life, who governs your life? Will you let God prevail in your life? 
will you let his will become your will? Or will you just say, I want my will and I'm, I'm selfishly going to do what I want to do. Don't care about anybody else or God or anybody. You need to look at God's will. In fact, he can make more out of your life than you can make out of your own life yourself. These rules put in place by God Almighty are not designed to chain you down. They're actually designed to maximize your liberty. Giving a little bit of yourself, meaning your will over to God, actually maximizes your liberty. For God only has your interest in, in, at, at, in mind or at heart. God loves you and wants to maximize your liberty, your agency, your freedom. He desperately loves you and wants the best for you. He wants you to have the best life possible. In fact, he wants you to have an eternal life, a life like his. Your Father in heaven wants you to be like your Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're taught to have that as our guide. We're taught to turn to Christ. We're taught to follow the Prince of Peace by example. After all, we're created in his image. Male and female created in them. That is tremendous heritage, tremendous lineage, tremendous opportunity. Are we taught these things? If we were, we would be self-governed. And it would matter not if they defunded the cops, would it? It just wouldn't matter. What difference does it make if you defund the cops? We don't need them. We're all self-governed, good, God-fearing, family-loving patriots. That's who we are there. In fact, the Tocqueville in the early days of America, Alexis de Tocqueville, came around the country and was shocked by that very thing. They don't have a bunch of laws to stop them from doing things. They don't do them because they're good. The whole country's great because the people are good. He meant moral, self-governed individuals. God and family and country mattered to these people. If you want to solve the problem, we need to work and pray and repent and do the things that can make it so in our own lives. And then we need to teach the next generation to do the same. And if we do that, ladies and gentlemen, we will solve problems. We will be providing solutions. That's what this radio program is all about. Hour one in the can. LibertyRoundtable.com, LovingLiberty.net. Hour two coming up. I'm Sam Bushman, and I declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America. the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news. The network refused to use no doubt. Continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for... What the heck, man? Time just seems to be crazy. Started June 8th in the year of our Lord, 2022. And you know what? It's hour two of two, and I'm still live in Branson, Missouri. What an incredible place, right? I promised I'd talk about Branson, Missouri. There's no place on the planet like it, as far as I can tell, ladies and gentlemen. It is an incredible place. It really is. It's amazing. 
It is an amazing place. Branson, Missouri, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you know what? I'm going to get to that a little later in the broadcast today. We're going to talk some about it. But over the next several days, I'll break it down even further. I'm telling you, there's no place on earth like Branson, Missouri. It's an amazing place. Uh, anyway, I digress. Hard-hitting talk radio at your fingertips, promoting God, family, country, protecting life, liberty, and property, rejecting tyranny, standing for the peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. That's who we are and what we do. I got my buddy Larry Pratt. He used to be with Gun Owners of America with us. What an appropriate time to talk to him, huh? Larry, welcome back, sir. Sam, it's good to be with you as always. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Have you been to Branson, Missouri? I have many years ago, and I would agree with your assessment. It's a, a remarkable place, and if someone has the opportunity to go there, they should take it. No question about it. No doubt about it. All right, well, I've only got a half hour with Larry today. Normally, we have him on the whole hour, <laughs> but since I'm on the road today, it's a little crazy. I've got I've got an appointment. I've got to drive somewhere. I've got to, anyway, timing sometimes on the road just doesn't work out as well as you hope. But don't worry. We've got a great show for you. We've got great content, nevertheless, fresh, brand-new content also. Uh, I was with our buddy James Edwards the other day, live at some Branson events, um, and so we recorded something together that we wanted to play for everybody. So it's absolutely fresh, great content. Uh, Meanwhile, though, I want to talk about this issue with our right to keep and bear arms. And uh, Ron Paul has an incredible our article out at campaignforliberty.org he sent me an email and the headline says sam the only thing they fear is you and he goes into a big uh discussion it's a big long you know thing about look your politician is afraid of you and you say no sam that's not true whenever i call them they just dismiss it dismiss me they don't care no that's just their way to try to get you to quit bugging them and get you to go away and think that you're not impactful okay but the truth is they fear you because they know you have power at the ballot box they also know you have power and influence with your neighbors and friends they also know that the new media is taking center stage and that there's an an opportunity through social media and everything else for you to have way way bigger influence than yesteryear and they fear you so what they want to do is they want to get you to be apathetic. They want you to get you to feel like the fat lady's already sung, that there's nothing you can do. And they want you to go away so they can continue. But what needs to happen, based on this you know, email by Ron Paul, is we need to dig, double down and dig in and let them know how we feel on any topic. But he then specifically goes into the gun control topic. And I mentioned to you that the only way we stopped the criminals was with a good guy with a gun. And if we had good guys with guns sooner, more, we would have less because they'd be stopped sooner. Less death, less crime, less trouble. And uh, so Ron Paul's highlighting this saying, look, they're about to take away your guns, folks. It's time now to stand up and make sure that they don't do that. The only one they fear is you. With that, let's turn it over to our good friend, Larry Pratt. Sam, thank you so much. I appreciate your interest in this subject. It's clearly one of the more important that we can talk about. And I don't think I have seen hardly any discussion uh, following these dreadful shootings of the laws that governed schools in particular. The schools have been made gun-free zones for the law-abiding people, but a dirtbag can then Uh, have much more 
opportunity to shoot the place up without having to worry about uh, dealing with return fire because the, the legislators have so incredibly said, well, being disarmed is a good thing. We have a military, that's different. But you and me as individuals, we should be disarmed. That makes everything safer. Well, I think the lie has been exposed. We're not safer without guns. And to go into a school without a gun um, is to invite the bad guy to do what the bad guy did, uh, for example, in Uvalde. Uh, that's just unacceptable. We've got to change that law that dictates disarmament where the bad guys year after year after year strike against the unprotected. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a serious topic. And I, you know what? In my lifetime, the biggest gun control uh, attack was the 1968 gun control bills that, that, that really set the stage for modern infringement, if you will. Um, but there's been a little bit of blips in the 90s where the Democrats pushed for, uh, you know, assault weapons ban that eventually got repealed and a few things like that. But for the most part, you know what? We haven't really had our gun rights to be too much in jeopardy. But now they're going for broke. Now they're even saying, hey, if we can't get rid of the guns, let's just get rid of the ammunition. Now they're putting red flag laws in place. Now they're uh, putting laws on the books to infringe and infringe and infringe and delay and background checks. And we're getting more and more and more. And now they're using these shootings, whether they're false flags and intentionally happening or whether they're just taking advantage of a <laughs> whatever you want to call it, uh, favorable environment uh, is is a debate we can have. But the more important discussion is they are on the verge of the greatest right to keep and bear arms assault in our lifetimes, Larry. If we're not very careful, they will take action, and it will not be pretty. No, I think that's correct. We have got uh, reports in the news that uh, a number of senators, we don't know exactly how many, are, quote, willing to talk, willing to compromise with the Democrats on guns, what kind of compromise would that be? You've just outlined what the agenda is likely to be. Uh, it's not for our welfare. Uh, disarming uh, victims is not for the good of victims. It's for the good of the bad guys, whoever they may be. And I think we've got to stand up with one voice and say, enough of this. If you try to get rid of our guns, we're going to try to get rid of you in November. And I think that's one effort, and that's something that we should certainly push for. But I think it's also important to make your feelings known right now to the current people who are in office. Look, folks, don't jettison the filibuster. Okay, that's disaster. Now you say, Sam, we, I don't know that I believe in a filibuster. I understand, but we've changed the affairs of our country from the constitutional days. Right now, a filibuster is necessary so that we don't just flip-flop, flip-flop back and forth depending on who's uh, wherever. Um, we need to be very careful about that. And uh, if we're not careful, even if we try to make them pay in November uh, by electing somebody else, the damage they can be done in the meantime is really important. We need to have Republicans and Democrats so I don't care what party, stand strong for, look, 
This has been codified as the Second Amendment in the Bill of Rights for centuries. This is not something to change or to manipulate lightly. This is government being put on notice that I have a God-given inalienable right of self-defense that shall not be infringed, Larry. The reason uh, we have a Second Amendment is because the, the Crown, the British government, had done uh, or was attempting to do the very same things the Democrats primarily, although some Republicans are talking about uh, thinking about now, uh, no, uh, we don't need to have fewer guns in the hands of good guys. Obviously, the school shooting shows we need more guns in the hands of good guys. Had there been uh, a couple of teachers, uh, an administrator uh, with a gun in that school, uh, it very likely could have turned out differently from the way it did. But we were disarmed because we were going, going to make it safe in that school. When are we going to stop talking nonsense? Larry, isn't it a good guy with a gun that stopped the bad guy? Well, uh, it happens frequently. Uh, but isn't that what happened in this case? A good guy with a gun stopped the bad guy? Uh, eventually, when he was finally able to get in when the police chief, who seems to be a real zero, uh, finally uh, uh, had to let uh, somebody else from another police department uh, get into the school to stop it. Uh, but th there's a problem right there. What happens if well, and we'll guy, get into that, And we'll get into that in just a second, but it was a good guy with a gun that stopped the bad guy. So it seems it to reason indeed. that what we need is more good guys with guns, right? Ditto. Yeah, absolutely correct. Uh, the idea that we're better off with fewer good guys with guns obviously doesn't work. We, we're talking about one of the many failures that has occurred when there weren't enough good guys with guns. And this is what's fascinating to me, Larry. In the debate all across the country, why don't we have everybody who believes in our God-given right to keep and bear arms why aren't they just simply putting it that simple? I don't want to argue with you. I just want to tell you that a good guy with a gun is how we've stopped every one of these. So the answer logically is more good guys with guns will stop them sooner. I'm kind yeah. of dumb. Larry Pratt in seconds, ladies and gentlemen, on Liberty Roundtable Live. There has been no evidence of widespread voter fraud. The 2020 elections were one of the most corrupt in history. See the proof for yourself. We tracked 2,000 mules making multiple ballot drops. 2,000 mules, the shocking new movie from Dinesh D'Souza. One mule made 53 trips to 20 drop boxes. 2,000 mules. Join the special virtual premiere and Q&A on May 7th. Get your tickets now. Available only at 2000mules.com. 2000mules.com. Sponsored by Salem Media Group. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. I believe there will come a time when we are all judged 
on whether or not we took a stand in defense of all life from the moment of conception until our last natural breath. As a teenager, I gave my first public speech in my church. My hand shook, my heart pounded. I thought to myself, I can't do this, but somehow I did. And because I wanted to talk about things that were important, I persisted. I chided my church as a senior in high school for not seeming to care about the not yet born, for looking the other way and for not taking a stand on life. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. All right, back with you live, Sam Bushman, Larry Pratt on your radio. So I'm just saying that I don't, I don't understand how across the country we're having all these debates and Republicans are caving and going, well, I guess we better, we better do something. This is horrible. Why don't we just simply just say to them, look, the way we stopped every one of these crimes, including the latest one, is with a good guy with a gun. And every time we wait or every time there's not a good guy with a gun, we have tremendous life loss. Whenever there's a good guy with a gun, we uh, stop the thug. Uh, and we restore safety and stability immediately. So the answer is more good guys with guns. And all we got to do is stay on that topic, that clear, that simple. And if they say, no, 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 then you say, yeah, what about the guy that was in church that went crazy with a gun and a good guy, sharpshooter, good guy with a gun, stopped the thug and all the lives were saved. And, uh, you know, we got examples after examples. If you look at the real true historical record, the facts are on our side. Why can't we just double down? Enough Americans believe in the right to keep and bear arms to make this narrative carry the day if we would stand up and be simple and clear, Larry Pratt. We, we need to stand up and be clear. And being clear means what you were just saying. We need more good guys with the guns uh, so that they're there whenever a bad guy decides he wants to try to start something. He's not going to have an hour, give or take, the way he did in the Uvalde school. Uh, he can be stopped within seconds or minutes, uh, and that's going to save lives. The lives got saved once the good guy finally got inside the school in Uvalde. While he was not able to be there, that's when the kids and the teachers were dying because of a law that needs to be taken off the books. All right. Anyway, it seems to me that we could seize the day and we could control the narrative in about two seconds because there's plenty of us. If we would all stand up and we would all, okay, look, if any single senator, any single congressman, uh, any single state, local, whatever, official, uh, anybody in the media, we should be calling talk shows and, and we should seize the day and control the narrative and simply say, look, if good guys with guns are the way we stop these things, and that's the case every single time, uh, more good guys with guns that could get to the crime to get to the bad guy sooner would be better. And this is such a simple narrative, but for some reason, um, we're losing the debate right now, Larry. Sam, uh, to put it even more graphically, perhaps, blood is on the hands of those who voted for gun-free zones in schools, particularly, but really gun-free zones 
anywhere. Those are murder zones. Those are protect the bad guy zones. And that is just perverse. That needs to stop. The, the, the Second Amendment supporter should not for one second take the defense in this discussion. We need to be pointing out that the blood is on the hands of those who wanted to disarm the good guys. And as we go further into gun control, uh, we stand to have even greater blood on our hands is the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to really teach this and really stand up now because I'm telling you, if we're not careful, they will uh, not only um, create assault weapons ban, but look, the gun in the hands of the right guy is not an assault weapon. It's a stop the thug now weapon, is it not? It At the church that you referenced uh, among the many shooting scenes uh, in the past, uh, the the good guy with the gun had a, a semi-automatic rifle, uh, inaccurately referred to sometimes as an assault gun, and he had that that he was able to take to where the crime was being committed and stop the criminal in his tracks, uh, not instantly, but very, very quickly. That saved lots of lives. A good guy with a gun really did save lives and i don't know what would have happened if this off-duty border patrol agent who borrowed a gun from somebody else to stop this guy after an hour of sitting on our thumbs doing nothing i wonder how bad it would have got if if he didn't do what he did if that citizen didn't have a gun for him to borrow if i could go on and on and on but uh, look every time when the good guy stops the bad guys, we save lives. We stop mayhem. We gain control of the situation and restore peace, right? We restore peace, and that's why uh, there were times in our past when guns were referred to as peacemakers. Because when the bad guy knew that his potential victim had a gun, well, interesting thing. Peace uh, generally prevailed, not always, but generally prevailed because bad guys have one thing in common. Usually they don't want to die, and they certainly don't want to die before they've killed uh, a lot of people. Uh, They may not uh, have in mind surviving after they've committed mass murder, but they don't want to be stopped before they've done all their mass murder. And we have to tell them in no uncertain terms that as soon as we see you start to do something terrible, somebody that you don't even know maybe carrying a gun is going to put a bullet in you and stop your evil plan. Well, and you dovetail nicely. And I mentioned this last hour, but I'll mention it again and let you respond to this, Larry. I know we're running out of time quickly. We've got kind of a shortened uh, time together this this month. But next month, we'll be back to normal. So thanks for your That's understanding fine. and patience on that. Sure. Uh, but I, I and, and why I say that Branson, Missouri is such a wonderful, interesting place is they respect God, family, and country here like nobody, nobody's business. And I went into a theater of all places where they have plays and stuff. It's like a thousand plus seat theater. And there was a sign right when you walk in, and here's what it said. Concealed carry welcome. Criminals, 
beware. I have never seen that in a public place in my life. I have not But I either. back it a thousand percent, and I think it's the right message. Definitely. That, that sign needs to be duplicated by the millions and uh, posted in as many places as people gather. I'm telling you, it, it's amazing. I've never, I've seen it on people's homes or whatever. Hey, this house is protected by Smith and Wesson or whatever. But I've never seen it so clear in a public place. It said, "Concealed carry welcome, criminals beware." That is I, I think that's the best message you can send. Yes, it is. It's very clear. Uh, even a drug-addled uh, mind of a mass murderer wannabe uh, can figure that out that he's not, he's not going to be able to accomplish his goals uh, in an environment like that. Uh, and we have reports of some of these dirtbags after they've been apprehended alive uh, saying, well, I decided not to go to that place, whatever it was, because I saw an armed guard. So he saw that there was somebody with a gun uh, that might be able to stop him. So he went to a, a softer target. Duh. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. This is so clear. And what, what, what's concerning me the most is Americans seem to be so deceived. I think it's the propaganda of the mainstream press primarily at fault, in addition to politicians who vote for these things. They've got blood on their hands. But so do the, the media folks that don't tell the truth on the facts. They manipulate uh, the agenda towards their uh, goals or their desires. Uh, but, they, but they betray the truth in the process, Larry. And this, this lie is being propounded by politicians who are protected by armed guards, by media types who are protected by armed guards. You get the point. Uh, they want you and me, average people, disarmed, but not they themselves because, well, they're special, they're different. Um, and maybe because they have some nefarious uh, objective in mind and they know that they might uh, – encounter more danger than they would like if they try to take guns from an armed populace. So they want us disarmed before they impose a tyranny. That is the central purpose of the Second Amendment, precisely to tell tyrants, don't tread on me. And, you know, that's when the founders drew the line. They were really patient with old King George and with his minions and the harassment and everything else. They documented, they documented this so well in the Declaration of Independence. But it was when King George was going to come for the guns where they said, uh-uh, you know what? We're just not going to let you cross that line because if we do, we can never go back. Larry. That's what's done to slaves, and they weren't fixing to be slaves. That's the issue, ladies and gentlemen. And I know you might feel differently about it because the propaganda in the media and what you've been taught your whole lives and everything else, folks, we need to understand it's not just about hunting. It's about a God-given inalienable right of self-defense codified in the Second Amendment. Government, no, no touchy. That's the bottom line. Larry Pratt, thank you. We'll be back to normal ne next month. Thanks so much, sir. Thank you, Stan. Thank you. He always does a phenomenal job on your radio. Larry Pratt, everybody. Quick pause. Back in seconds on your radio. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pry. Quote, there is no dispute that FBI agents in 2015 knew that Larry Nasser was accused of molesting gymnasts, but they failed to act, leaving him free to continue to target young women and girls for more than a year. It's time for the FBI to be held accountable. A quote from Maggie Nichols, former Olympic gymnasts, including gold medalist Simone Biles, are among dozens of assault victims who are seeking more than $1 billion from the FBI for failing to stop sports doctor Larry Nasser when they had the chance. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen suggested the Biden administration is out of options to lower gas prices in America. While testifying before the Senate Finance Committee Tuesday, she continued to lay the blame on events outside of the United States. Well, prices are very high, um, in part because of, importantly, because of Russia's war on Ukraine. USA Radio News. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well trying to find a needle in a haystack. Sure, you can post your job to some job board, but then all you can do is hope the right person comes along, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. Its powerful technology identifies people with the right experience and actively invites them to apply to your job. You get qualified candidates fast. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you what you're looking for. The needle in the haystack. Four out of five employers who post a job in ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That sinking feeling when your debit card fails. Customers who shopped at grocery retailer Meyer on Tuesday ran into problems using their debit cards for the second time in the past month. Meyer, which has stores in Michigan and parts of the Midwest, said a processing error impacted Chase Bank, which caused the stores to accept only cash or credit payments. One credit union official spoke to WZZM about proactive measures everyone can take to protect their accounts. Criminals are using the internet, sending out emails, putting fake logos in there. Consumers really need to pay attention to any email or text message that they get from their financial institution. And if it's asking for any information from them, delete it, contact the credit union directly. At the end of May, some customers were charged double and triple the amount of their initial Meyer purchase. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis. USA Radio News. Ladies and gentlemen, I mentioned to you that I'd cover Branson, Missouri. It is an incredible place. I'm telling you right now, it's an amazing place. They talk about God, family, and country all the time. They give a lot of um, credence to the veterans, appropriate appreciation to the veterans. I get that there's a fine line. You don't want to promote war heroes, but at the same time, you do want to show appreciation for the sacrifices. Uh, There's no doubt about it. They, in my opinion, they do a great job. They thank them. They reverence them, they sing to them, they show love to them, and I think appropriately so. But I'm telling you, I have never seen a place. Uh, there's more seats. Listen to me carefully with this. There are more seats for entertainment in Branson, Missouri, this teeny town of about 15,000 people, a little less. County of only about 50,000 people. In this teeny little place, they have more seats for entertainment than New York's 
Entertainment District or Vegas. I kid you not. I was told that, and I didn't believe it, and so I researched it, and it's absolutely true. It's just shocking. But I'm telling you, this place is all about family. I've been to, how many shows have we attended? Six, seven, eight, nine, ten shows? Ten shows, probably? And I'm telling you that I've been in stores, I've been in shows, I've been in restaurants, I've been all over the town, I've talked to people, I've driven all around, and I'm telling you right now, I don't see immoral stuff anywhere. I don't see, it's not like Vegas. Some joke and say it's Vegas for old people. But others say it's the family entertainment venue. It's Vegas for families. I would agree with all those statements. It is a tremendous place that focuses on God, family, and country. Even the comedians' jokes, when they have jokes, they're clean, good, funny. They just make you laugh. They're just good. Some of the plays are, and some of the um, events that you go to, some of the shows are absolutely high production pyrotechnic marvels. Some of them are super down home, intimate, just raw talent. Local people with all they got is an amplifier and a guitar and a drum set and a ukulele or a violin or whatever you want to say, a fiddle, a um, couple of tambourine. You know, one guy's playing a tambourine with his feet while he's sawing on the fiddle while, you know, just raw talent. Some of it is, is very simple. Some of it is very elaborate, but all of it just makes you feel good. And all of it, you don't mind taking your wife to or your children to because it's clean. It is just something to behold. I've never seen anything like it in my life. And I've heard about this place for a long time, but I've never been here. And I'm telling you, it is something. It is incredible. Anyway, I digress. Uh, we took a trip with our buddy James Edwards. We came to Branson, and James and his lovely family uh, came to Branson, and we met here, and we ate together, and we laughed together, and we hiked together, and we uh, went to some shows together. Here's what happened. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans, Sam Bushman. You can maybe hear the crickets in the background. I don't know. But we are at the Dolly Parton, uh, I don't know what you call it, event center. The show is called The Stampede. And uh, they got shirts over there that says Dolly Parton on them, but I'm not wearing a Dolly shirt. I'd have to wear a Julie shirt, you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, but Dolly's uh, got an incredible venue here. We walked in, there was a bunch of horses. There's signs that say horses will bite. So we kind of kept our arms and legs in the cabin, so to speak. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had a great time. This whole time, we're in Branson, Missouri. And I'm telling you, I'll be uh, covering the, the whole uh, event in more detail. Uh, but now, we're at the Dolly Parton Stampede Show. We met the horses. We're now inside. You hear crickets. It's uh, a beautiful venue. It is an absolutely packed house as well. Uh, kind of surprising how many people are here. It's a dinner um, stampede show. So right now, they're starting to you know give us drinks and stuff like that. We've got... Uh, what seating do we got? What do you call this? Um, we're on the third row. We got third row seating. So we're in pretty <laughs> perfect spot, in my opinion. And uh, they got the, it's really cool inside. They're trying to make it more of like an outside uh, atmosphere in many ways. Pretty cool stuff. But the cool part about the whole thing, man, is I've been spending time in Branson, Missouri with my good buddy James Edwards of the Political Cesspool Radio Program. 
TPC is what we call it, thepoliticalcesspool.org. If you want to learn more every Saturday night, award-winning broadcast syndicated by Liberty News Radio. But uh, James also joins me on the radio twice a month for Liberty Roundtable Live, as you all know. But uh, James and his lovely wife and his daughter, and well, both of his daughters are with us. And uh, me and my wife, Julie, we don't have any kids with us. We're kind of old. We're on our 30th year wedding anniversary. But anyway, we're going to be here uh, for like a week. But we uh, had James uh, and his family come and see us for a couple of days. Just an awesome opportunity. James, you ready to go, buddy? I am ready, Sam. You know, the last time we used this particular device, we were on the floor of the Republican National Convention. And I think that Ann Coulter was standing right in between both you and I on that particular uh, moment in time. She's a tall drink of water, too. She's almost as tall as James. Well, uh, that was a good trip, but I tell you, in many ways, uh, this has been better. It has just been a wonderful weekend in Branson, Missouri. And if there is a slice of the country left that truly embodies what it means to be God, family, and republic-type citizens, I think it's the kind of folks you'd meet here in Branson. And as Sam mentioned, we are in, uh, we're just minutes away from the beginning of this dinner show where they feed you and you watch uh, uh, equestrian tricks and competitions at the Dolly Parton Stampede. Of course, it used to be called the Dixie Stampede, but we couldn't have that anymore, so it's just the Stampede. Yeah, to bring it back. <laughs> Heard, that. Heard that. When me and Sam open up our dinner show, we'll, uh, we'll certainly make that happen. But nevertheless, to be have uh, been invited by my dear good friend Sam to take part uh, for just a couple of days in his week-long celebration of his 30th uh, wedding anniversary to his beautiful wife, Julie, my wife's here, his wife's here. I've got two of my kids here. One stayed home with uh, Mama and Papa, don't you know? But I can't even, Sam, I wish I could recount everything we've done in just the last couple of days. We went to a passion play last night, which was just one of the most amazing productions I've ever seen. It was world-class in every way. It would rival anything you would see in Broadway, a Broadway allowed a presentation that focused on the, the true story of the life uh, and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But the way that uh, the, the set pieces, the way that they integrated uh, video uh, to interact with the set and the actors, if you ever get a chance to come uh, to Branson, I would highly recommend taking in that uh, particular performance. So we did that. We went hiking today, and we did about a, a little over a mile loop in the beautiful Ozark Mountains, just spending time with friends and family. Sam has been uh, really certainly much more than a friend, but part of the family uh, for well over a decade. And it's not just um, our partnership on the air that binds. It is the familial ties as well. And I love you, Sam, and happy 30th anniversary. And thanks for inviting me and my wife to be invited to spend this special time with you and your wife really, really means a lot. Now, I want to set this up, though, man, that Jesus show uh, we attended yesterday. It's in its final season, and it's put on by Sight and Sound Productions, and they're well-known all over the country for Christian uh, film and theater and that kind of stuff. And, man, I don't know how to describe this thing because I've never experienced anything like it. It was not a movie. It was a play. Right. But it was a play to rival, uh, I don't know, how, it's more than any other play I've ever seen. And what I mean by that is they literally had in the theater, now the theater, the theater seats about, how many people do they say? Uh, we, we, I predicted, uh, I was uh, guesstimating 3,500. It actually set 2,080 souls. And they had about 1,450 or so there, so it was about two-thirds full. Well, anyway, when this play kicks off, I mean, it, it has got the sound system like you wouldn't believe. 
to where you literally feel like you're right in the middle of it. Props, live action, actors on stage with video integration. And then they had animals. Yeah. I'm Boy, did you, they. Live, real animals that Ladies rolled into the, you hear the background stuff. First off, I'd like to say Folks. happy birthday to Heidi Myers. All right, Heidi Myers, happy birthday. <laughs> but anyway, check it out. So hold on. All right, so the show continues. We're going to have to pause this narrative, but I'm telling you, we'll, we'll continue about the Jesus show. It was an absolutely incredible. Anyway, Dolly Parton uh, Stampede starts now. Well, good evening. Welcome to Dolly Parton Stampede. My name is Dave Wallace, and I'll be your host for this evening's incredible event. Tonight, we're going to settle a great regional rivalry. And we need to settle that rivalry with the help of each and every one of you fine folks here with us this evening. So with that thought in mind, let's make some noise. On the count of three, let me hear you. Ready, one, two, three. Folks, you sound great. But listen, there's going to come a time in this evening's proceedings when you're not going to be able to hoot and holler like you just did. You're not going to be able to clap your hands. You're not even going to be able to whistle. Why is that? Well, because you'll have a corn cob in one hand, a tater in the other, and a chicken gizzard stuck right in your craw. It's going to happen, folks. I guarantee it. So what are you going to do then? That's what I like to hear. It sounds like a few of you have been here before. That's right. Whenever you hear me say the word stampede, I want you to pound your feet on the floorboards and make as much noise as you possibly can. Let's give it a try right now. Both sides. Stampede. Ladies and gentlemen, back with you live. So we went to this uh, Dolly Parton Stampede show and uh, a couple of interesting things, and then we'll get back to the Jesus content. Uh, the problem is in America, see, this entertainment just pre precludes Jesus. So Jesus is secondary now in the minds of Americans, so we'll have to talk about the Stampede and then Jesus after, right? Anyway, uh, <coughs> so the Stampede was the classic North against the South. And uh, I'm going to have to have James Edwards respond to this, ladies and gentlemen. James Edwards is on the side of the North now. So, James, you need to respond to this. James ended up on the side of the North to no fault of our own. Well, surely we were mis we were seated we mistakenly. I don't know how that happened. I was ashamed of it. I did actually cheer for the South, even though I was in the Northern section. As did I. As did Sam. That's right. We, <laughs> we gave it some hearty rebel yells. Well, see, this was the whole concept of the original show, which was called the Dixie stampede and uh, to my pleasant surprise the show was basically the same as I remember it just minus the word um Dixie, Dixie in, the, in, the, in the title, but it was still a North versus South equestrian competition, you know, all in good natured, of course, all in good humor, uh, but it was it was great. It was, uh, you know, had some pig racing, some dogs racing, a lot of horse stunts, and uh, some good music and some good comedy bits, and we all just had a great time. It was, uh, 
Uh, food and family. Food. food and family. About an eight-course meal. I, they just kept bringing stuff. I, I started sweating. <laughs> we ended up with an apple turnover to polish it off. But I'm telling you right now, I've never seen anything like it. James Edwards on the side of the north. It was crazy. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no, I was. We're never gonna. We're never gonna air this, so I don't have to worry about you telling anybody about that. But. Almost got me. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, though. Uh, we were betrayed in the side of the north, and I'm telling you right now, we rebel yelled for the south right in the middle of it. We were but copperheads uh, in this. It, it, we were copperheads. That's right. But it was home cooking a little bit too. I'm telling you right now. Yeah, I think they rigged it. They had to have. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> well, they rigged the original war in the first place too. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have that. Anyway, enough of that, but it was it was a good time had by all, I'll tell you what. Now back to the Jesus play, though. I really want to get to this, because this is really the important uh, stuff. The other's a lot of fun. But in the Jesus show, uh, the animals were literally live, not only on stage, but through the whole theater. And literally they had, what do they have, donkeys and... Uh, camels, camels. Goats. Think of all the, uh, they had llamas, sheep, <laughs> sheep llamas, I think I said a few cows, pigs, donkeys, doves. pigs, the birds. The, uh, the birds behave better than my kids. They would just, they would always go. No, I, hold on now. I'm going to dispute that. Your kids are perfect. They're wonderful <laughs> children. But that you're right, though. The animals were amazing, and it's amazing how many animals they had in both of these shows. Really, because you yes. had horses and you had. What came, birds came down even in this show, right? Doves, yeah, and they were trained to a T. So you had, I mean, it was just amazing, the animals and everything. But the Jesus show was out of this world. They had impressive stage. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not It's not pyrotechnics. It's uh, what stage antics. Is that what you would call it? I, well, I, don't, I don't know what to call it. Special effects. Special effects, maybe? Effects, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interactive stage, video animation. <laughs> All I'm telling you is that the stage would change to where you were literally like on boats in the in the sea. Not the ocean, but the sea. My wife says she got seasick. It was so lifelike. I, I'm telling you, it was sh uh, the, the amount of production uh, and the amount of involvement and, and act, uh, interaction between people and animals and and lifelike situation was just something to behold. And you know what else about it, Sam, about that particular show was that it was all biblically accurate. Um, there wasn't any, the world hadn't contaminated the message and there was um, an opportunity for people to come and receive Christ at the end of it. And they had the pastors on hand. Yeah, it was fairly biblically accurate. Uh, you know, I as members of the Church of the Christ of Latter-day Saints to take a little bit of um, controversy with some of it, uh, not intentionally, not not a lot of it, but just some. Uh, I can get into that later, though it's not a religious debate, but it was very good, very well done, uh, and they, one of the things that I really like is a lot of times in Christendom, people are a little bit afraid to play Jesus, you know, and I can see why, because hey, it's a reverence thing versus a sacrilegious thing, and uh, all I'm telling you is when, in the role of Jesus, they played a very, uh, in my opinion, proper role uh, for Jesus. In the sense that you know he had a sense of humor, he was uh, real, um, and he was mortal, right? Because he was on the earth. Um, but they didn't take license to, to to build too much into it, though. He said and did the things uh, primarily that are biblical, but they gave him a real lifelike character. Do you agree with that, James? No, I agree with that. And I was watching for that, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I noticed that as well. Uh, they played him as he would have been, obviously as immortal and as. Uh, Certainly as the Son of God, but also as a mortal on this earth at that time. And I, I thought that they did it with reverence, but also made it uh, into somebody that's relatable. Yeah, and he was human enough to tease his friends. So he said to Martha, you know, hey, Martha, I really don't like, I really don't like your cooking. And she kind of shocked, is like, what? And then he says, I love it. 
And uh, it was just a way that, you know what, you would tease your friends like that, right? Uh, and, and to me, that was, it, it kind of personalized Jesus in, a, in an appropriate way, not in a, a disrespectful way or not in a, a weird way or an uncomfortable way, because look, we know that Jesus Christ is the savior of the world. There's nobody like him. We as humans are not on that level. We get that. But they did a very, in my opinion, a very walk the tightrope line there and did a great job at that. Yes, I would agree with that. And it was a two-hour production. It wasn't a wasted minute. It was well done start to finish. It didn't drag at any point. And, of course, um, as I said before, it was uh, a message that was... Uh, true to Christ's testimony in life, and it ended with an opportunity for people to receive him, which is uh, what any mission should do. Anything, Without question, sure. That's the, the most important part, not just there to make a dollar off of a good show, but to, to lead people to the Word. And I would say when you see the production value, though, I mean, it's, it's you know, it costs a little bit of money to go see. It's not cheap. At the same time, though, they spared no expense uh, when it came to portraying uh, the Savior in an appropriate way, in, in my opinion. I mean, it, it was well done, and it was the, the, the message in the heart of the spirit of it was right, is what I'm saying. I've been to other passion plays before. They were very, very good. This one was definitely next level. Um, and it was just uh, really fit in with the entire Branson experience we've had over the course of the last 48 to 72 hours. This is just a world apart from uh, a lot of the places that your listeners may call home. It's just uh, there's something going on here that's very special and the great the American culture that we idealize I think is very much palpable. There's no doubt about it. It gives you hope when you come to Branson. I'll tell you that. <laughs> hey, do, you, do you ladies want to uh, mention your thoughts on the Jesus film or production I should say? It's not really a film. It definitely was more than I thought that it was going to be. It, it, it was very neat. Definitely top, top choice. I think everybody should go and see that. Well, the better than The Lion King. I do love The Lion King. <laughs> so they love The Lion King. It was way better than The Lion King. Because they did the message right. They did the message right. Julie, you want to comment? Oh, I think my favorite part was uh, when Jesus and uh, uh, Rose Lazarus, is that the yeah, right wording? Yeah, that's right. Um, Brought that Lazarus really, forth, yes. That was really, really beautiful. And uh, I loved how he wept with Martha and Mary. Mm -hmm. um, like he outwardly wept on the stage, and that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. Because, yes, he had the power to, you know, to heal and to keep him from dying, and he knew that he was dead. But yet he spent the time to mourn with them and weep with them before he um, raised him. So, And the point is their suffering was real and the Savior took time to acknowledge and to um, bear one another's burdens, if you will, as he's taught us to do. Uh, it was very touching, there's no question. I agree. Any final thoughts, James? Well, I was just going to say we should mention as well that, yes, this was a play, so there was acting, but it was also a musical, and they had all, uh, all uh, an entirely original score, an original soundtrack that they performed live. Uh, by all accounts, and uh, I know that that's, uh, we're not getting any commission on this, of course, but I know that some of the other plays, they have a whole collection of plays, uh, one on Jonah, Noah, one's coming up on Esther, so a lot of biblical characters get uh, portrayed during these productions that this particular group puts on, but uh, I know some of those you can find on Spotify, if not the, if not the entire production, uh, the whole play, at least the music. And they are doing several plays, too. This is the last uh, season, from what I understand, they're doing Jesus. Next year, uh, the Sight and Sound Theater people are going to be doing uh, the Esther plays. What they do is they first start out as a play, literally on stage live, with live animals and everything. We're here to tell you. And um, then after that, I guess it gets turned into a, a theatrical presentation, but on... Uh, archive where you can watch them uh, from Sight and Sound Ministries and as far as I understand on the Roku player too, right Julie? 
Didn't they say yeah. it was on the Roku player and uh -huh. stuff? So, so I, I, one more thing, as we are standing here talking about this and sharing sort of our last couple of minutes together before I have to get back on the road. It's we're just singing been a wonderful in the rain. weekend. A rainbow has just appeared literally just now in the sky right over our shoulders. So you say... Uh, and it the, is a perfect, a perfect circle. You can see it start to finish. That means the rainbow's here. The Savior's not coming yet. Ladies and gentlemen, or it just means he's not going to flood us in this rainstorm. He's not going to flood. <laughs> We're not going to so, drown here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just telling you, it was—it's something to behold, though. Coming to Branson is a must-do. Um, you know, seeing the place from sight and sound, and many other uh, people are just incredible. We, we've uh, had the chance to go to a, a variety of different uh, productions and events. I'll report on later, but uh, all I'm telling you is it was wonderful to be with the Edwards family and celebrate some of these things. Uh, and man, what an opportunity uh, in America. America's still alive and well, ladies and gentlemen. I know there's pockets that, you know, want to yeet the Savior and yeet the children and just <laughs> get rid of everything. But you know what? There are people and places and things that give you hope in America. So I'm glad to, to end with that as well, Sam, because that's important if you really want to be refreshed and revived and have hope that this country can pull it out of the ditch come to a place like Branson for a few days that may sound like uh, an exaggeration of the experience but uh, I feel pretty good right now I feel like the tank's been filled up a little bit and topped off and we don't get any money for saying that ladies and gentlemen we're not getting anything we're just telling you when we come the feelings that we have every show points to God family and country and that's Liberty Roundtable. That's right. And that's this network, and I'm honored to be a part of it, honored to call you a friend and a brother, Sam, and want to thank you again for all you've done for me for... What what year is this now? At least 13 years, but this weekend has just been memorable. I'll never forget it. And again, being able to, to share a little bit of your 30th wedding anniversary with you and your beautiful wife, a real honor for me and my wife and, and the kids we brought. And we're looking forward to 24, man. It's going to be the 20th year of TPC, right? Yeah, we're, all the big number anniversaries are coming up. So uh, if God wills it and Jesus tarries in another year and a half or so, 2024, uh, I'll be celebrating 20 years on the radio. You just had the big 2-5 last year in Salt Lake. Wonderful event, and uh, so I'm. Uh, I'll never catch you, I don't guess, because time will just keep on ticking. I'll always be five years behind. But yeah, I'll always be dead first. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I don't know. If All I'm right, there. you are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Sam Bushman on your radio. Hope you're all doing fantastic. <laughs> so it was an incredible time with James Edwards, his family, and his wife. What a beautiful family. Uh, what a tribute to America that we've had uh, in Branson. Uh, right now I'm on the phone because they had to hang up the equipment and get to a location. I'm going to see the Beach Boys reenactment, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it should be very cool indeed. A lot of fun, a lot of oldies. Uh, James Edwards loves the oldies, so I wish he was kind of with, uh, here with me for that. Uh, but I'm telling you right now, just uh, amazing plays in Branson, Missouri. I mean, I'm telling you right now, there is a shingle on every corner. Uh, business is thriving. The amount of talent in this city is just shocking. It is just beyond imagination. Uh, great restaurants, great food, great people. I'm here at one of the best times from what I understand. May, June, September, the best three months to come to Branson. The worst month to come is January uh, and February because there are really no shows. February may be a little bit. They really kick off in March. But January, for the most part, uh, I don't want to call it a ghost town, but I will say um, that's not the season, if you will. Uh, January is the coldest month uh, in Branson. Uh, but they do shows really from March 
forward. Some do February, but primarily it's March forward all the way through December 31st. Uh, we saw the Hay Goods last night. Incredible performers, by the way. I don't, I'll get into that um, hopefully in the next couple of days, but just incredible uh, performances and talents. Catherine Haygood literally uh, played every instrument uh, in the on the stage, uh, and uh, she would go behind the piano, and she would uh, basically have a different color dress on every time she'd come out, and uh, play a different instrument. Uh, just tremendous talent in that family, uh, and uh, we were there. They recognized Ma and Pa, their mother and father uh, Haygood. Uh, their children just gave great uh, homage to their parents, and just great great family and people, but all I'm telling you is the, the amount of talent, the amount of shows, the amount of uh, capabilities in this town is just, just something to behold, and it's all family-friendly. Like I say, I'm not saying there's you know, there's a tattoo parlor right over there, so it's, a, you know, the place isn't perfect, but the place is absolutely something that, it, it's almost out of a storybook. It almost took you back to the 1950s. In fact, they got a 50s diner. Uh, they got a 50s diner, even, ladies and gentlemen. It's that cool. Uh, but they've got a lot of great restaurants. They've just got tremendous stuff, man. Uh, anyway, I'm telling you, it's a must-vacation spot. I'm telling you, it's better than Disneyland by far. Anyway, that's a wrap. Thanks for being alongside for the ride. I'm still on the road for the next day or so, then I'll be back. But thank you so much for listening. It is about God, family, and country. It is about the protection of life, liberty, and property. We are syndicated by Loving Liberty Radio Network, lovingliberty.net. Spread the word, share the love. Not to not to leave out brighteonradio.com. Thank them as well and all the affiliates up and down the line. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.